Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys in the house? Everybody good in the room? Yes. Let's say hello to you guys here, those of you who are in the we call it coffee town, the lobby, or in the fresca tent, or the hot chocolate tent, or whatever it is uh, out there. Thank you so much for being here in the room. Those of you who are online, thank you also for being here. So glad you're tuning in with us. Um, Let me say two or three quick things, and I'll jump in. Um, By the way, my name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here. If you're a guest with us today, It means so much to us. Thank you so much for being here with us. Can we give our guests a hand, everybody? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Ladies' Night is coming up. We've never done one of these before. And the reason why we sell tickets to them is because we are going to spend a ton of money to make it awesome, okay? But but I want to say this to you. If if money is is weird or tight right now, please, ladies, look at me. Come anyways, okay? Just come. We'll make it happen. We're gonna, we don't want anybody not to come because there's a small price tag. And for some people, it may be like, that's not a small price tag. Y'all better be serving filet. We're going to be serving filet of cake. Now, I, mean, I don't know what they're serving, but if there's food. There's food involved. Uh, but please come. And, and I want to say this to all of you who joined us for any one of the three revival nights for prayer, for fasting. Thank you so much. It was amazing. All three nights, it was just packed. Uh, uh, like 50, 60 young people down here just losing their minds in worship. It was, it was fun. And uh, it just gives us such a good spiritual momentum. And if you missed any of that, you would like to pray with us. We pray every Tuesday in this room uh, right here from 7 to 8. You can come and go as you're able to. You can come late. You can leave early. Whatever you want to do. Um, we just believe in the power of prayer. And we, have, we, we took in, I don't know, 100, 150 prayer cards um, and you can get, if you want us to be praying with you about anything as a church, we have prayer cards, uh, request cards out at Next Step Central. There's a little kiosk you can drop a card in. And every Tuesday that gets put on the screen, it gets put across here, unless you tell us you don't want it made public. And in that case, it just goes to the prayer team. Uh, and they pray for that. But please, please, please know we want to be praying with you about whatever's going on. Um, I want to start out this brand new series in this brand new year. By the way, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, by asking you to think about a question with me. What is, what is the good life? Like if you think about the good life, which is a very American kind of Western sort of an ideology, but, but what, do you, what comes to mind when you think about the good life? Just in your own mind, just consider that. What is the good life? I think it's true that people wherever they're from, whatever part of the world they're from, want to live a, quote, good life. And everybody wants to know, um, what's the good life? And and more importantly, how how do you get the good life? And, And then does the Bible have something to say about this? And yes, the Bible has much to say about that, but what the Bible calls, would call the good life, is, um, is often evoked in a word called flourish, or flourishing. And, When you study the Bible, you you find that there's a real discrepancy between what Americans, what Westerners call the good life and what the Bible's idea of flourishing is. There's a big gap in between those two realms. And so over the next uh, seven or eight weeks, uh, really one of the longest series we've ever done, certainly not at the beginning of the year have we ever done anything like this, 
we are going to unpack the notion of biblical flourishing, what it means to thrive in a biblical sense, and then how that you and I can start working with God to bring about flourishing uh, in our lives. It's my sincere prayer for those folks who call this church home that we would begin to experience um, what God has for us. And I want to say this. I think it's true that in our world today, we lack peace, we lack joy, we lack unity, there is a lot of chaos, there is a lot of turmoil, there is a lot of heartbreak, there's a lot of, uh, of disruptions, and it's happening, uh, over, especially the last three years, it's, it's gone from whatever level it was to come on to a how never level, all right? How never level. Um, I, don't, I don't know why I said it like that, right? Anyways, but it just came out. And I just don't believe that it's God's will that we live in chaos, in turmoil, and lack joy and lack peace. And so for Christians, the idea of flourishing goes much deeper than the standard cultural definitions. It's not just the good life, like whatever that is, nice house, nice car, you know, vacations abroad, whatever. For, 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 for people who follow the teachings of Jesus and the scriptures, it's the way life is meant to be. And I would say it was the way life was meant to be from the beginning. And I'm going to dive a little deep, a little get, I call this getting in the weeds a little bit. So you're going to have to stay with me or you're going to go, I forgot what he was talking about. All right, just stay with me. We're going to unpack this in greater detail, make it much, give you more handles to walk away with. But today I got to tell you what it is, all right? Um, I got to go back to the story, uh, our our first story in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis in the Bible. The Bible says that on the first five days of creation, God creates order. If you look at it fundamentally, what God is doing is he's creating order out of chaos. He makes days and nights, separates the days and the nights. He, gets, he gives us a sun by day, the moon and the stars by night. He causes land to rise up from the depths. He builds this perfect garden-like space uh, within the world called Eden, the Bible calls it, the garden of God, so to speak. In it, he places all manners of trees and fruit-bearing bushes and plants. He speaks forth um, the animals and the creatures and the critters. Come on, the creatures and the critters. Some critters I could do without. Can I get a witness from somebody in the house? Right? Spiders and whatnot. Anyways. Um, and, and into this beautiful, perfect space, he, he creates mankind or the Hebrew word Adam, Adam, mankind. But, but when God creates mankind, he does it in a, a very different way. Everything else he spoke and it became. But with, with mankind, chapter 2 says that he gets down into the dirt that he had made and he fashions man um, out of the dust. And here's how the Bible says in Genesis 2, verse uh, 7, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became, say this with me, a living being, different than every other thing that God had created, mankind. And mankind, as we read through the biblical record in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 10, we find that, that, that mankind becomes the kind of masterpiece 
of his creation. And when he made everything else, he said it was good. When he made Adam or Adam, he said it was very good, right? But in the previous chapter, verse ch chapter one, we find this other detail that God created mankind, how? In his own image. And then he doubles down in the image of God. He created them. Them is the male and the female. He created them. So, so he's giving us a divine design here, right? The order that God is creating us with, there's order in every part of his creation, including mankind, very specifically male and female. He created them. But in, in addition to that, he, he gives us what the, the Latin word is imago Dei, right? The image of God so that mankind was meant to be, please catch this, our job initially was to be the image bearers of God, the reflection to the rest of the world, of the created world, uh, of God's character, God's goodness, God's provision throughout the whole world. But God's not done. He says in Genesis 1.28 that God, say this with me, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, and here's the command, the first command, be, say it with me, be fruitful. Be fruitful and what? Increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it or steward it well, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So now God is blessing them. We started last year, if you were, if you were here, um, teaching about blessing. Uh, and he's giving them the first mandate, command is to be fruitful. Hang on to that because that's, that's the job that you and I have, to be fruitful. In, in the beginning, as part of God's blessing, part of the blessing was he didn't just cause them to come to be, he gave them something to do. It wasn't just one or the other. We're human beings, not human doings, but there are things that we're supposed to do. He wanted them, and by extension, all of us, to partner with him. Like, I'm God, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna put my image in you, I'm gonna give you everything that you need to succeed in this life in the beginning, and your job is to go reflect my goodness, my character throughout the world, and that's critical to understanding what it means to flourish, that we are a reflection of the character and the goodness of God when we get this right. So these people who were created uh, in God's image were to multiply God's image his character, his goodness throughout the earth. They were to take what was only in the Garden of Eden at that time, this perfection, this, this beauty, and they were to take it out of there and spread it out all throughout the world, build towns and villages and nations and people groups and, and take the image of God throughout the entirety of the whole earth, um, God's presence, unashamed uh, and committed relationships, abundance, beauty, purpose, fill the earth with that. To, to extend what God began in Eden throughout the world. That's the, that was the job. So God gives them, number one, he gives them an identity, right? They were his people. They, were, they knew who they were. They knew what they were. They were male and female. They were husband and wife. They were partners with God. He gave them not only identity, but he gave them relational intimacy, both with one another and also with God. They were at peace in all of their relationships. And so God finished all of creation, and he says at the end of it, 
He looked at it all and he said, it's very good. Very good. His intent was now that it would be extended beyond Eden and it would flourish throughout the whole world. And to flourish in part because of of our partnership with him to extend the character, the image, the nature of God throughout the world. As part of God's creation, we are made in his image and we have a desire within us to flourish. This is why we want to know, what's the good life? How do I get the good life? This has been one of the big questions of all of humankind for all of history. What is the good life? How do I get it? So question, what does it mean to flourish? I'm going to just give you a dictionary definition. This isn't a theological definition, but just to kind of understand, wrap our heads around it. Flourish, to achieve, succeed, to thrive, to grow, to be in a state of productivity, to reach a height of development um, and or in influence. These are the key words that are meant to be part of our story. It's not all, but it's a part of it. And this is what Adam and Eve were enjoying in the beginning. And in the early days of the garden, before the fall, if you're new to the Bible, when Adam and Eve sin, we call that the fall. Um, they were living in this, the Hebrews idea of flourishing was this word shalom. Um, we, we translate it as peace, but it's much more than that. It's much more than just the absence of conflict. But peace with God, peace with each other, and peace within. Nothing's missing. This is their idea. Nothing's missing. Nothing's broken. And that's the world God created them and by extension us to live in. And of course, early on, they fell. They disrupted God's idea. They sinned. They listened to the voice of the enemy who convinced them that if they disobeyed the one command that God gave them, they would become like God. And the heartbreaking thing about it is they were already like God because he had made them in his own image. And in fact, by going their own way, by disobeying God, they did the exact opposite of what they intended. They think we can do life in our own way. We can go our own way. We don't need God's word. We don't need God's direction. And at the end of it was a kind of death. And what was true for them is true for us. We will never flourish as God intends for us to flourish apart from doing things God's way. Listen, it won't happen. You might get the good life, the, the, the quote, good life. You might get houses and land and boats and cars and money and things and accomplishments and achievements, but you will not flourish biblically apart from doing it God's way. You just got to start there, okay? And so let's go back to the story. They are forcibly removed from the garden, and instead of being planted, Get that word in your head. Instead of being planted in the garden of God, in the house of God, so to speak, they were forced out, and then they were left to try to recreate through hard work and turmoil and pain and travail and trial what God had gifted them freely. And we've been trying to recover the idea of shalom ever since. Peace with God. Peace with other people peace within ourselves. Let me extend that living with purpose and meaning 
a mission to orient our lives around, something that gets us up in the morning that says, this is what I'm on this earth to do, growing in the key areas of life, bearing fruit, being fruitful, which was the first command, flourishing. And I can't imagine a better way to live life than to live life at peace and on purpose with a mission and a relationship with God. Not, not without trouble, not without struggles, not without hardship or pain, but no, because that's not how real life is. That all of that's part of real life. But, but always connected, as John says, uh, Jesus says in John 15, connected to the vine, to the source of life and hope and joy, always orienting my life, not perfectly, but always orienting my life like David did to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Without question, the most fundamentally important part of Adam and Eve being blessed in the garden was their relationship with God, not with each other, right? It was with God. God was fully present in their lives. He walked with them. He talked with them. They had a peace that many of us lack in this world. Sin, as we know it, messed up that harmonious relationship. But then God, through the years, starts looking for a new partner to restore all that back. His first partnership or covenant is with a man named Noah. You know Noah and the ark. And God floods the world, but he spares Noah and his family. And when Noah gets out of, uh, out of the ark, God makes a covenant with him. I'll never destroy the world like that. And the sign of that covenant, that partnership was the rainbow, right? And then uh, Abraham, uh, Noah, Noah is, uh, the people get wicked again, starting with Noah. As soon as he gets out of the boat, he does something crazy. Um, you can read bad. There's kids in the room, so I'll leave that alone. Come on, somebody, right? And, and, and so God chooses another man named Abram and his wife Sarai. This is a partnership. He chooses them and and he's going to make a covenant with them. And the sign of this covenant was circumcision. And Abram says, well, why can't I get a rainbow? Or maybe like a little cloud, like a heart-shaped cloud that floats through. Why does he get a rainbow and I got it? Okay, never mind. Just keep rolling. And then of Abraham's family line, a great nation is born, the nation of Israel, right? His, 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 the third in the line is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob becomes Israel, that nation. God makes a covenant with them, a partnership with them. He's going to use this whole nation of Israel to be a blessing to all the peoples of the world. That's the promise that he gives to Abraham and, and to Israel. And then finally, he makes a partnership with King David a covenant with David, and he says, of your family line, there will always be a king on the throne. And ultimately, from the line of David comes the only partner that could ever fulfill the partnership with God. See, it wasn't just Noah, Abraham, David, the nation of Israel that failed God, broke promise, broke covenant with God. It's all of us. Every one of us, like sheep, have gone astray, Isaiah says. All of us have. And so somebody's got to come who can bring back flourishing shalom partnership with God and only one person could and he was born. And they gave him the name Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. He himself brings about the possibility for us to begin to flourish again. So, yeah, yeah. So, so Paul trying to describe some of this, says in Romans chapter five, verse one, therefore, since we have been justified, or, and that word just means declared just as though we didn't sin. 
We did sin, but we're declared just as though we didn't sin. Now, how does that happen? Through faith. Everybody with me? Happens through faith. We have what? Peace with God. How does that come? Where does it come through? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom? Through whom? Through Jesus, we have gained access. We have gained access by faith into this. Now, here's another huge word. Into this this grace, this unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor in which we now Stand, And we boast in what? Hope and of the glory of God. Paul's saying that now because of the sacrifice, which we just remembered at communion a minute minute ago, when we put our faith, our trust, our hope in Jesus, we are made, we are justified, we are made in right standing with God. And because of that, we can now have peace with God. And this is how Jesus starts to bring back, partnering with God, right, to restore shalom or flourishing. We learn that through Jesus, what was lost to mankind in Eden, that peace with God, that peace with others, that peace within can be restored. So then nothing missing, nothing broken. Say that with me. Nothing missing, nothing broken. What does that mean? So David starts to write in Psalm 23, that famous psalm. You know these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I shall not want. You remember that song? I shall not want. I shall not want. You got to sing that, Brandon. Uh, Sorry, you don't know that one. Okay, it's just me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, you would say, well, I lack all kinds of things. No, no, no. It doesn't mean all your wants. It means everything you actually need. Now, David's letting us know when we make the Lord our shepherd, we won't be missing anything we actually need in this life. Whatever I need, if, everybody say that with me, if the Lord is my shepherd, I'll have. I'll live in a state of complete wholeness. And I think if we were to read Psalm 23 like this, because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Or or if we were to read it like this, if the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I, I, I shall not be in one. Now, none of us wants to be considered a sheep, right? Do you really want to be called, hey, hey, that guy's a, what a good sheep that brother is, right? Nobody wants that. We're like, we're like, oh, we make fun of sheep, right? We make fun of people who, who follow other people without thinking. We call them sheep, right? But this is what the qualification is for shalom, right? Flourishing from a biblical standpoint is a promise that only applies to those who have a sheep-shepherd relationship with the Lord. But if the Lord is your shepherd, the implication is you will never truly be in one. That's because the good shepherd is fully responsible for his sheep, yes or no, right? Every area of your life is under his control, under his direction, under his provision, which is why Jesus doesn't want to just be the, but be your savior. He also wants to be your Lord, your shepherd. Now, I just want to start out here today that this is God's design, right, for his people, his children to flourish. That was the intent from the beginning with Adam and Eve, and that's the intent now. You and I were created by God, to thrive, to flourish in this life. Listen, 
Not without pain, not without trouble, not without heartache sometimes, because that's part of the human condition. But it's possible, and we're going to come to see this over the next few weeks, it's possible to flourish in spite of all of those things. Right? We, we have out in the lobby, I'm going to wrap it here now. On this, on this back wall, we have um, a verse that is kind of the theme for this place. And the passage is found in Psalm 92, and I just want to break it a little bit down for you. I want to read it to you first, because it starts out by letting us in on how you and I can start to flourish in life, in our homes, in our relationships, in our finances, in our health, in, in our identity, in our direction in life. And so the psalmist says, it is the righteous who will flourish like a palm tree, not the ones we can raise here because they don't do very well in San Antonio. You know what I'm talking about? People are always plant them. I'm like, it's not going to work out for you, bro. But anyways, they will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar. So the, the righteous will flourish, grow, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear what? Fruit. That's huge. Even in old age. Come on, I'm starting to get older and I'm, I'm grateful for that. They will, still, they will stay fresh and green. And I would just add this, they will stay fresh and green because they're still trying to bear fruit. Even as they age up, like I'm not done. If I'm still breathing, God's not done. Can I get an amen from some 50 ups people in the house? Seven of us, all right, I see how it is. And they will proclaim the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no wickedness in him. Now, who is this psalm writing to? Is it everybody and anybody? Answer, no. It is the righteous. Now, what does that mean? Right? When the Bible talks about righteousness, or people being righteous, it's not referring to people who are perfect. It doesn't mean sinless or absolutely morally pure either. Nobody would qualify if that were the case. Can we be honest in the room? None of us are going to achieve this. The righteous is, are the people who have clothed themselves in the righteousness uh, of Jesus Christ. Not by their good works, but by the sinless perfection of Jesus Christ. Right? They're serving the Lord. They're not, they're not perfect, but they're sincere. Right? They're not in their own strength, but their faith and their dependence is on the one they serve. Right? So, so how do we begin to start flourishing Two words in this text. It's the righteous and it is the planted. Right? I'll explain that in just a second. Righteous, we get to be righteous because Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 5.21 that, that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So meaning when Jesus looks, when, when God looks at us, he sees I'm talking about the people who are righteous, who are following Jesus. He sees the sinless perfection of the Lamb of God, Jesus, slain from the foundation of the world, and his sinlessness, his righteousness gets, the, the, the word is imputed, gets put into my account. My account is filled with sin and mistakes and loss and failure and shortcomings, but when, Jesus, when God looks at me, he doesn't see that, he sees 
the sinless perfection of Jesus which has been put in, to, in on my account. Does that make sense, everybody? We call this the great exchange, right? And, and we, don't, we don't earn this. We don't work for this. We just receive this by faith as we read in Romans 5. But the second qualifier is something we have to do. And it's, it's, he says, be, be planted. Planted in the house of God, they will flourish Be fruitful in the courts of our God. Now, here's what I want to land today, this last few moments. There is a deep connection to flourishing and fruitfulness. He says they'll still bear fruit even into their old age, right? And he says it's, who's going to be fruitful? He says it's those who've planted themselves in the house of the Lord. And this just means that that we have planted ourselves in the soil of God's word. It means that we've planted ourselves in the soil of God's presence. Like we feel him, he's moving in our hearts. We we, we have planted ourselves in in the house of the Lord with God's people. We're consistent, we're not flaky, we're not flighty, we're stabilized. We've planted ourselves in the soil of the house of God. The the Hebrew word for flourish here is parach. And and, and it means to, to flourish, of course, but it means to blossom profusely. And it's not talking about flowers, it's talking about fruitful, because in verse 14, we just read it, they will still bear fruit in old age, they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, there is no wickedness in him. And listen, the source of fruitfulness and flourishing isn't this building, right? We, I call this a house of God, this is a house of God, but it's not the building, as an entity, it's who shows up in the building, right? God, by his spirit, by his presence, by his power, the source of hope and life and strength and fruitfulness and flourishing, he shows up. This happens in our life. The word of God gets preached. The spirit of God moves. His word never returns void. Worship goes up. The presence of God comes down. The people of God gather and encourage one another, Hebrews says, on towards love and good deeds. And by the way, it says spur one another on towards love and good deeds, which is proof that God is a Spurs fan. Can I get an amen? He's coming back for his people to make us better. Come on, somebody. Sorry, that was just... A joke. Anyways, so what happens is as we gather together and we spur one another on towards love and good deeds in the way Hebrews says, we find purpose. We get on mission together. We start reflecting the Imago Dei, the image of God in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our homes, and, and peace starts to come from our lives, and joy starts to come from our lives, and love comes for our lives, and there's direction, and there's vision coming to us in the house of God, in the courts of our God. We're planting ourselves in, listen to me, this is the vision you gotta catch. God's word, God's presence and power with God's people doing God's work. These things right here happen a lot of times from the house of God, right? And the righteous, the planted flourish over time as they stay planted. They root themselves in the soil of the word of God, the presence of God with the people of God over time, not immediately. We get in a hurry. We're like, why isn't it happening so fast? Like not all at once. Blooms start to come. Fresh and green starts to happen. We stay consistent. We keep coming back to the word of God. We keep coming back to the presence of God. God's ways, doing things God's way, following God's word. And all of a sudden, things in us start to change over time. If we don't get in a hurry, over time. 
And, and so it's the, the psalmist says of people like that, Psalm 1, it says, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked. Now what he's saying is doesn't walk and step with the culture, the way that everybody else thinks. Blessed is the one who doesn't do that. Or doesn't walk, doesn't stand in the way that sinners take. Doesn't go down the road that everybody else goes down. Doesn't sit in the company, doesn't walk, doesn't stand, doesn't sit in the company of people who are like, you're wasting your time. That's all foolishness, that's all ridiculous. But instead, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God, who meditates on the law of the word of God, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Now, let's finish right here. He says we, there's things that we don't do, and there's things that we do, right? And the net result of not doing certain things and doing certain things is that we become like a tree, planted by streams of water who bears fruit in our lives. When it says we don't do things, that means there are, there are certainly things that at the beginning of a year, as we're examining our hearts, our lives, the way we're living, the way we're thinking, what we're consuming, what we're doing, there are things that we should cut away from our lives. Yes or no? There are things that I have to cut away. There are things that you have to cut. And sometimes there are people, which is what he's describing in this first part, there are people they're heading in the opposite direction. It's not that we can't do life with them, it's just that we can't let that, what they think, how they do, we can't let that get in us and, and transform our mind instead of being renewed into the image of God, away from the image of God. So that's, that's a word, the word that God calls when he, when, when he when Jesus calls it when, when he's taking things away, it's called pruning. We're gonna get into that next week, John 15. He said, instead, we, we engage God's word. We, we listen to God's word. We meditate on God's word. We, we hear God's word. We do what we hear. And the result of that lifestyle over time is that we're planted by streams of living water. So what's that? What's the stream of water? John, John's gospel, Jesus says in John 7, that let anyone, Jesus said and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from where? From within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And as the Holy Spirit starts to nourish our inner being and strengthen us in our inner being, empowering us to do what we cannot do on our own, our, our, our lives start to bear fruit. But what, what, what kind of fruit? Paul tells us that too in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the spirit-filled life, which Jesus just told us, that rivers of liver water coming out, the fruit of that life is, same with me, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And do you know what this is an image of? The image of God. Does our, need, our world need people with more conflict and lack of peace and lack of joy? Do they need people like this? Yes or no? So I plant myself in God's house. 
I flourish in the courts of God. I'm planted by a stream of water, which ends up coming up from within me because it's the spirit of God. And the fruit of the spirit, the byproduct of the spirit-filled life is over time, not immediately, but over time, love, joy. This is the character and the nature of God, the image of God by the spirit that gets put inside of our hearts. And over time, the fruit of the spirit comes out of us. As the Lord is my shepherd, as I'm planted in the house of the Lord, as I'm flourishing in the courts of our God, like this is what comes to bear. And, and, and we have, listen, everybody, we have to catch a vision for this. We don't do this. This is not by effort. This doesn't come because we're straining really hard to produce this. This comes from not walking with the mockers and not walking, but, but listen, he goes on the next verse and he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Don't keep in step with the wicked. Don't go the way of the world. Don't sit, don't walk, don't, don't stand with that. But instead, since we're living by the Spirit anyways, let us keep in step with the Spirit so that every day I get up in the morning and I say, and this is my prayer every morning, Lord, what would you have me do today? What, what, what am I supposed to do today that would bring you most glory? What, what could I do? And I don't always get it right, especially when I'm driving in traffic. Can I get a witness from somebody? Sometimes I'm like, oh, I got to take that one back, right? But as I'm carrying my knife through life, come on, somebody. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, right? If you don't get a vision for the spirit-filled life, then you will go through life on your way to heaven, probably, right? Probably gonna make it there, but you won't go through life at peace with God, at peace with people, peace within, on mission, orienting your life not around your things, your, the good life, orienting your life around the God life. What do you have for me today? Holy Spirit, I wanna walk with you, I wanna keep in step with you. So if we wanna be blessed, and we want to flourish, we just stay connected, Jesus says, to the vine. And the, 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 he says the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it is connected to the source of hope and joy and peace and kindness and good, the, the source of all that is the spirit-filled life. So what's going to happen over the next six or seven or eight weeks is if you'll just come and if you just keep coming and you'll just keep pressing into prayer and pressing into God's word is God will begin to reveal and your job is to respond. That's how it works, everybody. God reveals something through a sermon, through a song, through, through the word of God, and then we respond, which might mean as we, that we, we repent, that we change directions that we start operating in life not from our own motivational systems, but from the motivational system of the, wor of, of, of the word of God. And we get peace with God, peace with others, peace within. Furthermore, we get a mission to pursue, good work to be done. We partner with God in the, in the salvation of the world. We enjoy a weekly Sabbath as a gift from God. We have a rhythm in life to learn to live by. We get life and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. 
And so last thing, this is it right here. A lot today, I know, a ton today. This is what John, the beloved, um, writes to his friend, Guy Oss. As he writes in 3 John verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Beloved, this is his friend. I pray that you may say this word with me, that you may prosper in what? All things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. This, this is my prayer over all of us. Those of you watching, those of you out in the lobby, those of you in the tent, wherever you are, wherever you're hearing this, this is, I believe, what God is inviting us into. We have to catch a vision of what the good life is. It's not what we thought it was. Walking with Jesus, planted in the house of God, flourishing in the courts of our God, in his word, with his people, in his presence, doing life in community, practicing healthy rhythms of life. This is, this is what we're after in this life. And if we do it, if we can, if we can just stay connected like that, we get to bear fruit even in our old age, fresh and green, no caffeine. Come on, somebody. I, I don't know. Just came out because it rhymed. Sorry. So let me pray. Um, Lord, thank you um, for the word, for this vision, Lord, for, for, for this vision of the way life is meant to be. And I don't have it all together. Certainly not. I don't even understand it all yet. Certainly don't. But I know that you've given me a vision for my own heart, my own life, my own family, God, that I just, I just hope other people will not just go on autopilot and just do whatever everybody else does, but that we'll just catch a vision of, of the God life connected to the vine. God, not, not perfectly. We don't get it right every second of it. That's not, the, that's not what we're saying. Saved by grace through faith saved to do certain things, God, to accomplish certain things, to partner. That's the word, to partner with God, to bring the image of God, the reflection of God, the character of God in in our interactions with other people. To have that coming up from the inside, the way Jesus said in John 7, Lord, to have that coming up from the inside, that the fruit of the Spirit is being born in our lives. That's my prayer. That these people, like John says in John 3, God, that they would they would, they would prosper. God, in, in, their, in their relationships, they would prosper. In their, in, their, in their workplaces, they would prosper. God, they would prosper in their souls. That they would care about their own souls, Lord. Lord, help us to catch a vision for this. Help us to step out into this, into a brand new year. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.